you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have a special guest coming from Arizona, Mr. Clever Investor himself, Cody Sperber. What's going on, brother? How you doing today? What's up, Brandon? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited to have you on. What's really funny is originally when I started first following you, you caught me with an ad because you were the marketing genius, I feel like, when it comes down to real estate investing. You hit me with an ad of you were going to space. And obviously the infamous, you know, you standing outside of Chase, showing the checks one after another with your son, teaching your son. I just thought it was classic, but it was so good in so many different ways. So I appreciate you coming on here. And I do want to talk about marketing. I want to talk about your lead generation. I want to talk about, you know, what you see the market actually doing, because you actually have some predictions. I believe that the market this year and possibly even into the next, it's going to be the best for real estate investors, the season that we're in right now, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's going to be strong. A lot of indicators show it's going to be strong. Yeah. Not for everybody though. You know, for the people that are in the know that have the right strategies and tools, it's going to be strong, but there's going to be some people that either get completely ran over by the opportunity or miss out on it completely. So let's talk about it. You know, thank you for saying all those nice things about marketing. You know, I I feel like my superpower always has been intuitive marketing. You know, I just go with my gut, what I would want to see if I was on the other side of the screen. And I love and I'm so passionate about real estate because of what it's done for me and my family. So I'm always out there, you know, like talk, talk, talking real estate anyway, might as well as, you know, (laughs) try and reach the masses because it's unfortunate, Brandon, like I never heard about assets. I never heard about liabilities. I never heard about cash flow. I never heard about, you know, no money down house flipping, like nobody in my grown, like as I was growing up, nobody talked about having a great relationship with money and, and how to be financially literate. Yeah. So Cody, any, you know, for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly your background, your story a little bit, do you mind just giving a brief, you know, background of, I know you're a Navy veteran and mm-hmm. you've been through some things, right? You know, so uh, let's yeah, just I got talk some about- great, I got some great Navy stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> been to Thailand, been yeah. to Colombia, been all yeah. over, been in the middle, middle East. So yeah, been in real estate for 16 and a half years. Currently yeah. I own a development company with my two best friends. We rehab about anywhere between 10 to 20 houses at a time. Right now we're at the higher end of that. And lots of rehabbing. I wholesale about a house a day, house every other day, you know, depends on the day, but you know, sometimes we do a house or two and then there might be a couple of days where we don't, but we're pretty consistent right around the house a day, every other day. And then we try to keep as many as we can. So we have a nice little portfolio going. And like I said, it's my two best friends. I love hanging out with them. We have an awesome little real estate team of about 10 people that help us along the way and just killing it right now in real estate. But it wasn't always that way. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a ninth grade history teacher or a marine biologist. Like that was like my childhood dream. Like if I could help animals or something like that, like especially, you know, something with the ocean, I always thought that would be cool. 
And then I joined the Navy and I got violently seasick, which coming from Arizona, I didn't know, (laughs) you know, you join and then you show up and you get on this ship, not thinking about seasickness. And for six days straight, we left San Diego and that's where I was stationed. And then we went to Hawaii, takes seven days to get there for six of the seven days. I'm violently ill. So I kind of, and that's how it always was. I, I finally got my sea legs, but lots of Dramamine, and I yeah. always felt like a little queasy. So you had to cross that off the list pretty quick yeah, afterwards. There goes the marine biology. So yeah. I shifted over as I was getting out of the Navy to being a teacher. And I went and I talked to some of the professors at San Diego State Community College, not even the university. And I said, hey, how do you like your job? You know, would you recommend me going to this field? I have this passion for history. How much money do you guys make? And when I got to that question, they all started laughing out loud, like, man, I got a second job just to survive. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that sounds horrible. Like, maybe history is not a good thing either. And when I was in the Navy, my dad bought me a book. That book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was the first time I ever heard of assets and liabilities. So that seed was planted. Didn't do anything with it. What an amazing father, though, to actually be able to give you that seed, right? You know, like so many oh. people have, you know, told me about that book and originally, and and it's like that infamous book that always sparks something. And it, it took me about a year before I had three people in the same week finally all introduced me to it. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll read the damn book before something shifted, you know? And it's a great book because it tells a story in story form and allows yeah. you to kind of like reflect on your own upbringing and go, wow, this is crazy. Like I've kind of been lied to and left out important information. And so I didn't do anything with it. And then later on, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was kind of floating and my dad talked me into using my MGI bill and going to college after the Navy and just going to business school. And he wanted me to get a degree in finance. So I was reluctantly getting a degree in finance, even though I'm horrible at math. My ADHD was kicking in. I, was, I did not want to be there. I didn't like being, I worked really hard. I got good grades. But that was the first time in my life I ever got a good grade. And that was only because I was just trying to challenge myself to get a good grade. But I maybe I'd be a stock guy or financial planner or something like that. I didn't know. And then I got lucky. My friend asked me to go to lunch. His name was Jeremy. He rolls up in a brand new Mercedes. I'm like, dude, how'd you get the car? He's like, I flipped the house, made a bunch of money. And now Rich Dad Poor Dad books coming back. And I'm like, oh, that's right. People that want to make a lot of money get into real estate. And that's how I got into real estate. It was by accident, just went down the rabbit hole. And next thing you know, 16 years later, here I am. You know, people look at me now and they're like, oh, dude, you were born rich or you had money or you always knew what you wanted to do. You're lucky. It's like, no, (laughs) I had 50 pivotal moments in my life that just kind of got me on this path. And then about a thousand obstacles along the way that almost took me off of it. Yeah. I think it's the funniest thing when people always say, oh, you're lucky. They, they always see the, the after results instead of all the hard work that it took to get there. And it's 100% like it's your fault, right? Like Cole Hatter always says it all the time, right? That it's your fault where you're at today, whether you're successful or, you know, the opposite, right? Because so much truth in all that work. Yeah. Yeah. It's your fault if you're in a loving relationship and it's your fault if you're not. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Okay, so your your main gig is wholesaling for the most part. Obviously, you're you're a big educator as well. You're a mentor. You're somebody that has helped out a ridiculous amount of people at this point. I know how many students you have, but I'm, I'm sure it's up there. I've had about almost a million people come through my program on some level. Jeez. On some level, over a decade. But, yeah. you know, I have about a three and a half million person email list. A million people are active on it. So 
I'm estimating about a million people have actually gotten involved with Clever Investor over the decade. Yeah, that's just mind blowing to think about how many families and lives that you've impacted and touched in, in one way or another, because like real estate has impacted my life, but it's also been a compound effect that it's transformed my whole family as well, because I've been able to take care of them in certain ways, you know, that oh, they naturally enjoy in my life. Like next yeah. to my family, like for being in a career and yeah. being able to do something that you're passionate about and it dramatically helps people live a better life. It's, I can imagine how rewarding it is to be a personal trainer. Yeah. Right. Like if you really have somebody like transform their health and like really like have those breakthroughs where they're eating healthy, they feel good. They're vibrant. They have energy. They can attack the day that feel that rewarding feeling is I get, but on a financial level, I see people change their financial trajectory and it's just the greatest gift I could ever live. You know? Yeah. I love it. So let's talk about some lead generation, right? Marketing. What's your main source for marketing? And first off, I guess, are you guys just in your backyard that you're looking, Arizona, or are you guys hitting nationwide? What's your target area? Yeah, so we're mainly in Arizona. That's where we do probably, I would say about 75% of our deals, but we're in seven different states. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. We're in seven different states and we are actually starting to scale a little bit more now and do a little bit more nationwide wholesaling. Nice. Okay. We're chasing trends. We're chasing, you know, markets that are opening up because of the economy or because of coronavirus, stuff like that. And so we're seeing opportunities and we're testing those markets. Yeah. See what works. Lots of pay-per-click. Pay-per-click. Yeah. Okay. Pay-per-click, lots of direct mail testing different direct mail into very targeted buckets of targeting buckets, lots of DMs and relationships. You know, I, I, I'm very lucky. I do have a very large social reach so sure. I can put out the word to my email list or to, you know, on Instagram or something. And I have a lot of people bringing me deals and what we are good at when we're doing remote stuff is building a buyer's list very quickly in a remote market so we can co-wholesale in those markets. So other people will source the deals, we'll dispo the deals. It's a good relationship for us. We've been doing that for, you know, 15 years. So it's easy for us at this point. We have the system and the ability to build that cash buyers list very quickly. But in Arizona, I do it all. I own rentals. I, like I said, I run a lot of rehab projects and we do a lot of wholesaling. So it's because I have such a network here There's not a day that goes by that I'm not looking at 15, 20 deals before the majority of other people get to see them because they know that I'm a real buyer, you know? So all the wholesalers in town bring me their deals before they blast them out. Lots of the agents bring me the deals before they get listed. So I get the pocket listings, the pre-listings, the listings that are sitting on the market forever before they drop price, they'll hit me up and say, hey, my client is finally willing to take a lower offer. Do you want to make an offer? And I'll make an all cash offer and that kind of thing. So that's the power of relationships and obviously the personal brand to be able to get it to a certain point where everybody knows you, they know that you're serious, you're going to perform, right? So they have no second guessing on it and they rather send it to you to be able to get the deal done. Yeah. And let me just talk to somebody who's listening to this that might be new. Yeah. The thing that you have to understand is I always act as if, and it's one of the reasons I'm successful. So what I mean by that is, you know, let's say you're brand new and you haven't done a deal yet. And you're like, well, Cody, nobody's bringing me deals because I haven't even done a deal. You know, nobody, I don't have that credibility. And like me now I can show them a million dollar proof of funds. When I was new, I couldn't show them a thousand dollar proof of funds. Like I had no (laughs) money. So it's like, 
how does somebody new that doesn't have the credibility get their name out there and get people to bring them deals? Well, first off, leverage is power in this business. So you find a Cody and you leverage their credibility, their money, their resources. So find that local mentor or that local investor that you can say, look, I'm going to go out and hunt down deals, but I need you to empower me to do that. I will only bring them to you. Yeah. Right. So that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is when I was looking to raise money, I built a credibility kit and that credibility kit, I just went on, I said, you know what, these are the zip codes I want to do deals in. Right. And I went and found my power team members. I got my contractor lined up. I got my closing agent lined up. I got, you know, everybody lined up, but I said, all right, I'm going to go find us some deals. And so I built this credibility kit that basically said, here's my team. Here's me. Here's my team. Here's the types of deals that are happening in my area. So I would just go on the MLS and find recently closed deals that were fully rehabbed, show the before and after pictures, show what they bought it for on tax records and what they sold it for in the days on market and the return on investment. And I would show like six or seven case studies of deals. They weren't even my deals. They were somebody (laughs) else's deals, but it showed the potential. So then I took that brag book and I went to potential private lenders, friends, family, parents of friends, like that kind of thing and said, look, this is what I'm doing. This is my power team. This is types of deals we're doing. I need 300 grand. When I find a deal, I need to be able to call you and get a yes or no out of you pretty quickly. And believe it or not, that worked. Yeah. <laughs> it worked. And I, it wasn't even my deals. And then once I started doing my own deals, I replaced the example deals with my own deals. And then I was off to the races. And what something funny happens when you're looking to get money for deals, when you when you need the money, nobody wants to give it to you. Okay, That's why you got to be really resourceful and show them you're not lending me money. I'm giving you an opportunity to invest with my deal. So good. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it's a shift of that. Hey, will you give me money? Like it's like my hands out. Yeah. No. You're desperate. Nobody, nobody wants to lend to somebody that's desperate. You can see it on their face. It's, it's not attractive. It comes off as a scary position, right? So I was always acting as if, Hey, you got my money. I'm giving you an opportunity. You want to get in on these hot deals before anybody else. When I call you, I need a firm yes or no. That's what this education process is for. Are you somebody I can call? Yes, I am. How much potential investment do you have? I have up to 250,000. Okay, perfect. I'll put you on the list. I lined up five or six people like that. And what happens is once now that I have a ton of money, everybody's throwing money at me and I'm telling them no. Yeah. Now you got to so, be like, slow down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a cool, it's a, it's a good thing, but just be resourceful in the beginning and you'll, you'll do fine. And don't be scared to, to show up to every lead that you generate, every motivated seller appointment show up with the ability to do more than one offer. Mm. That's really the key to my success from day one. My mentor Lyle told me, Cody, if you're just going to show up and make an all-cash offer, you're going to lose out on 90% of your opportunities. Oh, yeah, that's so good. So basically, you're talking more on the creative side, right? You know, I'm just uh, talking, yeah, yeah. Every time I, I, every time I show up at a seller house or an appointment or one of my reps does, yeah. we give them four offers. Four offers? Four offers every time. Let's go. Yeah, I love it. So what, what does that look like? Yeah, which one would you like? So the first phase is all about rapport building and showing them that we're an expert and we're credible and that we know what we're doing. Then it's education. Hey, this is what's happening in your area. Okay. Let's look at your property. Okay, this is what we're dealing with with the property. This is probably what it's going to cost us to repair this thing. Yeah. 
here's our all cash offer. So that's offer number one. Based on all of that, here's what we can pay you cash, right? And yeah. we can negotiate on that, but all cash offer. Close sure. quick, all the standard terms that a all cash offer comes with. Offer two, if that doesn't work out for you and you're stuck on price, now we'll offer you a terms offer, right? Which is, all, I can pay you more, but you just have to wait a little longer to get the money. Okay. okay? Now we're talking terms, wraparound mortgages, seller carrybacks, contract for deeds, all, you know, trust deed, all-inclusive trust deeds, land contracts, like all the sub two, all the creative yeah. stuff. Sure. Okay? That's, that's our it. terms offer. Then it's the, hey. And but that takes a lot of education, by the way, as well, because nobody ever knows about these things. So then you really need to pour into them, show them it's not illegal, like, you know, uh, the whole process. I, I, have, right? I have something better. I created a course called the Freehouse Formula. Okay. Where I created done-for-you explainer videos for my students. Love it. All they do is play a four-minute cartoon Come that explains now. to the seller this whole scenario. And the seller goes, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now all you got to do is answer a couple little questions and take their order. Oh, man. It's so awesome. systemized it all for the yeah, students. Yeah, yeah, if you're watching this and you want to get your hands on my creative financing training, you go to freehouseformula.com and you oh. can check it out. So, But anyway, so all cash, creative terms. Then if that doesn't work, I say, look, my business partner is a licensed real estate agent. Yeah. Here's all the comps in the area. This is what, if you're willing to make repairs, if you're willing to do open houses, if you're willing to wait a little bit of time, we can list it and try and get you top dollar. Yeah. And then if that doesn't work, the fourth offer is what we call a price lift. And that's a partnership program that only you have to qualify for. But if your house qualifies for it, you move out. We pre-create a predetermined price that we're going to to sell your house for. We'll put up 100% of the rehab money. Yeah. We'll do all the work. We'll list it and sell it. What we want is we want the listing. So we're going to get our listing commission. We also want the purchase. If you're moving in state, we want the ability to represent you on your next purchase. Sure. So we're locking that in. And we want a 25% return on any money that we invest. So if, yeah. we, and so we, if we invest, if we put up 65 K in the re repairs, we want to get our 65K back plus 25% profit. Yeah, that makes That's sense. It. Yeah. And sometimes they negotiate. Sometimes they're like, oh, wow, you'll take my house and I don't care if it needs 200K. I'll put 200K in your house. Yeah. You give me the house. I'll even cover the debt servicing during the time that we do the remodel. You move yeah, out no, awesome. and, and we'll partner up and we'll, I'll sell it and I get my commissions and I get my profit and you get everything above that. Yeah, no, I love that. I've never actually heard of anybody giving those many offers, you know, four offers, which they're all very solid and, you know, it, it makes them almost have to pick something, right? Have, have I rarely ever... walk away with a Without flat something. out no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure they're well-qualified leads, you know, to, to actually get to that scheduled appointment. But have you ever found yourself making it, I wouldn't say overcomplicating it, but having them just too many choices. So then they're like, oh God, I don't know. You know normally I'll know pretty quickly which ones they're not going to want to do just through the rapport building process. So I'll quickly breeze through it. It's like, look, I can offer you all cash. I know you've had five other wholesalers show up. They're all offering you 200K. I could pay you 205, but I already know you're probably not going to like that. But if you want me to pay a few grand more for, than them, I'm willing to do it. But I think the one that you're going to like is option number two, which is 
I'll pay you what you want, but you'd be willing to wait a little bit. I can get creative and I can create this creative terms offer. And if that doesn't work, I'll list it and we'll try and sell it. Or maybe we can partner on it. But I think this is the one that you want to lean in on. Let's talk about that. So it happens kind of fast, but they know about the other options. So that way, if they're like, you know, Cody, I'm just not into this. It's like, well, okay, we got two more options. Don't worry about it. We'll figure something out. Yeah. Now, are you still showing up to a lot of these or, or do you have it systemized that you're? No, yeah, I don't. I, don't. I, I, I like to go to a few a year just to keep. Keep uh, it fresh, right? Yeah, keep the wheels less squeaky. But okay. I, I do have an awesome team. They handle, I got an acquisitions department. I got a dispositions department. I got, you know, transaction coordination and accounting and admin department and then the three partners. So uh, I'm pretty lucky now. You know, my real estate yeah. business is. Well, not lucky. You built it. Yeah, yeah. I built it, but it's super dialed in. Like I spent years building standard operating procedures. Yeah. Dialing in each process until now it's just a machine. Very systemized. Yeah, I love it. Are you guys doing any cold calling? Oh, yeah. You have, uh, yeah, you have a team in place doing uh, a lot of the follow-up. Yeah, I use uh, Call Geeks. Okay, yeah, love it. I I use Call Geeks. uh, I don't know if you have a call calling company that you refer or recommend, but I like call geeks. I know the owners really well. Yeah. And, uh, they give, if you go to, I think it's callgeeks.com forward slash clever or something like that. They give you a big discount. Yeah. Hell yeah. I love it. Yeah. Cool. So you have something that you've coined the term reverse short sale, right? Oh, that's, that's my old school stuff. It actually might come back though. If, if the, yeah. if the foreclosures come through the market, yeah, the reverse short sale was long time ago. It's not as relevant right now. Okay. But it actually kind of put me on the map in the education world because I came up with something super new and unique. Yeah. A, a lot of people out there believe that there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, foreclosures in the near future. And, you know, nobody's got that crystal ball, but let's just say, let's entertain the idea that, you know, th- this does happen and the government doesn't bail us all out again. Right. Then what, you know, what does that look like? How, how can people actually take advantage of this? This uh, yeah, idea? Yeah. It's, it, it was really cool in 2008, nine and 10 and 11, when there was thousands of foreclosures coming through the market every week. Yeah. And all those homeowners underwater. See, that's why I don't know if it'll be relevant because there's trillions of dollars of trapped equity Yeah, this time around. Sure. But there still are some short sales happening. So what a reverse short sale was, I was, I was working a lot of short sales and I was also buying properties down at the foreclosure auction. And yeah. what was happening is I would work a short sale and I would have a great offer on it and we would submit it and it would get denied. And then it would go to auction for much less. Stupid, right? The banks are crazy. I would scratch my head going, what's the matter with these banks? But what I didn't understand is the mortgage-backed securities and all the tranches and all the people that had to approve it behind the scenes. And that they had to go through the foreclosure process in order to clear it off the books. Yep. And that's why it was selling for so much less because it was a different deed position that was going to auction. And so what I would do is I would just have the same buyer that was lined up to buy it as a, you know, on the retail side of things, I figured out a creative way to reverse engineer it, let it go to auction, buy it at auction and sell it to that same person for the same price that they were already trying to buy it for. But I was buying it at auction for much less. So instead of just getting a little short sale flip, I was getting a massive short sale flip. So I don't want to get too much into it right now because it's, uh, there is some complications on how to pull it off. But I was doing, dozens of those a month and recording myself doing them 
And then people are like, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's like a backward short sale, like a reverse short sale. And they're like, how do I do that? And I'm like, here's my paperwork. And next thing you know, people were doing it. Yeah. That's actually right around the time when I got started, uh, 2011, when, you know, there was just a ridiculous amount of pre-foreclosures. So NODs we were going after. And yeah, it was just, it was one of those crazy times that so many properties were finding themselves in those bad positions. But let me ask, as far as the the auctions, did you find a lot of competition over there? Every time that I, I've showed up to the auctions back in the day for San Diego, it's like, I feel like the old school mafia is there and they'll bid you up just to get you the hell out of there. Yeah. So I was lucky. I, when I first got in the business in 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. one of the first places I went was down to the auctions. And yeah. I met a guy down there. His name was Frank. And Frank was the meanest SOB. He was part of the mafia. I was going to say, it sounds like a mafia name right there. He was, in the, he was part of the auction mafia. He was a pro boxer, tough as nails, sharp, uh, street smarts. Yeah. And he was part of the original crew that was down there buying auction property since the early 90s. Yeah. So cozying up next to him, I was through proximity, got to learn a lot about the auction business. But yeah, I have a ton of auction stories. So I was able to break my way in eventually after lots of trial and error. And I ended up becoming one of the bigger buyers from 2007. I started buying in 2007 pretty heavily, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. I was buying at least a house a day, if not two houses a day down at the auctions. That's why when people are like, how many deals have you done? I'm like, I've done thousand plus deals. Yeah. I, I maybe 2000. I, yeah. I honestly lost count. Well, yeah. buy a house a day or two houses a day for four years straight. Yeah. Yeah. You do. That's, it. Yeah. That's how I did it. You know, it's like the auctions were Arizona was ground zero. So I became one of the good old boys mm-hmm. understood all the bat signals and stuff. You know, we yeah. used to screw with people down there and get bit them up, but I seen many of fights in parking lots over properties I've seen a couple guys that disappeared and were never heard of again. You know, you're like, what happened to so-and-so? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, all right. Well, he, somebody pissed somebody off. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I love it. Okay. So out of all your experience, you know, over the years, I'm sure you've had some learning curves, right? You've had some experiences that you've definitely, you haven't repeated those processes and made better decisions moving forward. Is there anything that stands out the most that you might see maybe the average new person constantly make these mistakes with that you could give some kind of advice on? Well, when I first got into the business, I thought everybody was just like me. Ambitious, nice guy, guy, (laughs) wanting to do deals, Yeah. right? Collaboration. Everybody was going to be like your best friend and making money. And yeah, yeah. how wrong I was. Realtors not taking my calls or calling me back. Attorneys telling me that what I was trying to do is illegal. Other investors sabotaging deals at the last minute over greed, bad partnerships. Like we, I went through it all. So I think one, you have to be tough and you have to, you have to realize that making money is a sport and real estate is a sport. Like you have to be mentally and emotionally tough to play the sport, just like any sport, right? It's a mental game. Two, your paperwork matters. A lot of times when you're running and gunning, you think, oh, it's not that big a deal. We'll clean that stuff up later. Yeah. Hey, it's like I meet you, Brandon. I like you. We're, we're hanging out. Let's partner. Let's do yeah. this. Oh, when next get these deals going. Don't worry about the paperwork. We'll get to it. 
yeah, the paperwork doesn't matter. We have some janky emails back and forth. And next thing you know, we're getting a divorce. We don't have anything clear on who yeah. gets what, how it happens. And the next thing you know, it's just toxic. And yeah. so you realize like your paperwork in a real estate deal matters. Your paperwork with your business relationships matter. Your paperwork with your lenders matter. Everything yeah. matters when it comes to this business because it's not all rainbows and cupcakes. There's going to be a lot of turbulence anytime big money is involved. So I picked wrong team members based on hope, hype, that yeah, kind of hype. stuff without yeah. really finding collaboration partners that were complimentary. I would, I'm a good salesperson. I'll partner with another good salesperson. Well, the problem yeah. with that formula is you need somebody in operations to clean up the mess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I meet a, a guy that says, well, I'm a general contractor. Well, I used to be, but I could do it under the table. I don't have my license anymore, but I know everything. Just pay me half up front. I'll get it done for this cheap price. And you're like, oh, okay, here's money. And then you never hear from him again. Yeah. You're like, boy, that was stupid. Why would I give him so much money up front? Well, I didn't know, you know, it's just, or not securing the job site properly, being lazy, and then they steal all the materials. So I don't have one thing. Being a real estate investor, you're going to have a thousand little breakdowns. Yeah. The best advice I can give is, you know, have a positive bounce back spirit. Yep. Always look forward. Don't look backwards. Like I could, I had this lady one time that we partnered. She stole about $70,000 from me at the time. That was more money than I ever, we closed all these deals. She cleaned up the bank account, took all the money for about a month. I was stuck in this really toxic place where I wanted to murder this lady. I was so angry, angry, you know, and I felt the injustice. It's like being bullied, you know, it's that unjust feeling. And I was in this dark place where I was stuck. I was in the shower having fake conversations about me yelling at her. And, (laughs) and my wife finally just smacked me out of it and said, look, dude, you're stuck. You're toxic. She's controlling you, even though the deed has already been done and it's been a month and she's moved on and took all your money. Yeah. And all you want to do is stay stuck in that place. And she, I, I woke up the next day and I was like, you know what? She's right. So what I'm getting at is you got to have a bounce back spirit. You got to look forward and realize all of those hurdles and breakdowns, getting sued, getting stolen from, getting pushed around, getting passed over, deals falling apart. I'm so grateful that all that stuff happened. Yeah. Because now a decade later, I see it coming a mile away. Sure. I smell that I, I know you're a bozo before you open your mouth, yeah. right? I Especially know if you're trying to avoid like the documents, right? The contracts and stuff like that. I can tell the BS right from the start. I just know. I know from your energy and your personality and the things you're saying because I have intuition now. Yeah. Right? And in the beginning, you don't. But you need to have all those breakdowns to get it. And I just want to encourage people to keep going because everybody wants to avoid the pain. You got to sure. go through the pain, like embrace it and, and enjoy it. Last thing I'll say on that is I was in such a hurry to get rich that I didn't realize what a fun journey it was. And I probably blinked in like the first seven years of my business flew by. And I wish I can go back and relive it again because the characters that I met and the deals that I got into and the money and and all the stories, it was just so much fun. Yeah. And there's going to be a point in time where, you know, I like I talked to my my mentor, Lyle. Yeah. Yesterday on the phone for 45 minutes. He's in his 80s now and he's still doing deals, but you know, he can't leave his house. He's not as healthy. He can't really do what he used to do, but he's still, his mind is still young, but his body isn't. 
And it's very sad to me to know that his ride is over, you know, and, and he always tells me, Cody, you got to enjoy the journey, man. It's going to go quick. And I, I do believe him in that. So try to slow it down and just look around and get present. Yeah, that's good. I love that. And I, beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. I think I've made almost all the mistakes that you brought up as well in the past, which is, you know, one of those situations. But something that you mentioned, you know, having your wife, which is is a key player into this, right? Like surrounding yourself with good people that can be the backbone when somebody punches you in the face 10 times to be able to be like, hey, snap out of it, you know, keep it moving. We got another day ahead of us to crush it instead of dwelling and having this person control you. I really love that. So I want to talk about your family just for a quick second. You know, your your kids are young right now, but they're growing up and you constantly show your son, you know, real estate and, and you're showing him, you're leading by example. I'm just kind of curious, how do you think that is going to position him for the future and, and be able to really help him understand financial literacy and, and give him more options? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope it yeah. inspires him. I hope it causes him to think bigger. I hope it allows him to challenge the status quo that's out there. And I think he's got it in him. He's, he's got the it factor. Yeah. He already thinks that he's so much smarter than adults. And, <laughs> you know, and, and half the time it's true. And he runs circles around people. He's not even 18 yet. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. He's, he's 11. And so my thing with him though, is I'm not forcing anything down his throat. I'm just yeah. exposing it to him. And reminding him that there is a money game and someday he's going to choose or not choose to play it. And if he chooses to play it, he's got to play it to win. And this is how you win the game. And as long as I do that and just keep exposing him to these principles, then he'll pick up on what he wants to pick up. He's hardheaded. He's his own little man. He's very immature right now. And I can't, if I push too hard, he'll push away, you know, and that's how I am. You know, I don't want to be controlled. He doesn't want to be controlled. So I got to allow him to come to it. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. Father likes son, right? And at 11, he's still a kid, you know, so he's enjoying himself. But I, I do think it's awesome that he is around, you know, a father that shows him and makes it fun. You guys always make it fun, which is obviously the name of the game, right? To make it fun, but educational at the same time and showing the possibilities, like understand this is a money game out there. So how to play the game and just lead by example. So I think that's awesome. So where do you think we are headed with the market? I think it's going to be good. I think supply and demand is completely out of balance. There's way more demand than there is supply of houses like Arizona, just Arizona. I just read the Cromford report yesterday. If no new houses hit the market, we have less than a half a month supply. (laughs) So that's it. I mean, we have thousands of properties available and tens of thousands of people demanding a property. So it's, it's just right at the top here, you know, like we're right at the top of the cycles, right? Well, we're at the top of a cycle, but with coronavirus, it, it screwed everything up. Normally what happens at the top of a cycle is oversupply starts to happen, meaning more supply starts to hit the market than demand. And as demand falls, people start lowering their prices to catch the buyer's interest that are out there. The challenge that we're having right now is it's reversed with low interest rates and with trillions of dollars pumped into the economy. There's people are like, oh, I want to go buy, I want to go buy, I want to go buy. But the problem is nobody wants to sell. Yeah. And there's not enough new construction on the market to sell. Yep. Because, you know, if you understand new construction, it takes 
four years or five years from the time you buy the land to the time you actually build a house. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, takes, it takes a long time for those neighborhoods to get developed. So everything we're seeing now started years and years ago. Well, as the market got went up and the price of land went up, less developers bought the expensive land because they were looking out and going, well, four or five years from now, by the time this thing gets built, will the demand still be there? They were starting to think like, well, we're nearing the top of the cycle. Maybe the demand won't be there. So they didn't buy it. But the problem is now the demand is there and they're trying to play catch up. So it's going to be at least this year. What's going to happen is Biden's going to jack with the taxes. We're going to raise interest rates. We got to pay for all this. You think this year? No, no, it'll be next year. We'll, yeah. we'll, he'll mess with the taxes this year, but you know, yeah. it's like we got a bunch of funny money out there that's becoming worthless. Oh yeah. You know, you can't print this much without inflation. It just has to happen. You know, there's got to be a correction. So maybe next year, maybe the year after. But when the piper does come to get paid, yeah. it's going to be bad. And when <laughs> it's bad, you know, and for me, I make money in an up market, a sideways market or a down market because I got a strategy for every market cycle. You got the KPIs and you got the the, uh, the marketing in place. I could care less if the market goes down. Yeah. Goes up, goes down. I don't care. You know, I buy below the median. I'm fast. I'm not into things long term anyway. I'm not over leveraged. Sure. They're just core principles of, of investing that I adhere to. I'm good if it goes down. In fact, yeah. my business will probably do better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course it will. Yeah. I love it. So for somebody just getting started, you know, in today's market and, and what tomorrow might look like, what would you recommend for them to focus on the most? I would tell them to go to freehouseformula.com and buy that yeah. training. That's it. it. Freehouse Formula, it teaches them how, like what I said, approaching with four offers, understanding the creative term stuff. L- look. We're at two, three, four percent interest rates, right? All these yeah. homeowners have interest rates of two, three, four percent. What happens when interest rates are seven percent, eight percent, sixteen percent? Right? Those three, four percent interest rates mortgages are going to be in high demand. Well, if you know how to go take control over those, you're going to be sitting pretty, right? Oh yeah. So creative finance then, is all about getting the seller yeah. that already has financing in place or owns it free and clear to participate in helping you buy it. That's it. So that's where I think they should focus. Learn that now. That way over the next three years, when interest rates go up, you can lock in those good mortgages by using creative financing strategies. So we were actually just talking about this yesterday on the podcast with Kent Clothier uh, in regards to you know prices versus terms and getting more creative to really be able to have uh, you know seller financing and then basically middleman that with different creative long term plays because just you know it's been a long time but back in like the early nineties you know the interest rates were up to what twenty percent or so something crazy back then. Uh, maybe 12% or something like that. In the 80s, after the savings and loan scandal, they spiked pretty pretty high. Yeah, so I mean, it could very well like get back up to those those numbers again, uh, which everybody thinks is crazy right now. But, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. So, so it's possible. And with the restrictions going on right now for entrepreneurs, for, you know, self-employed people, businesses, you know, the, the lenders, Franny and, and Freddie are, are definitely making it more difficult for us to be able to get the financing, you know, making us go through the ringer, basically. So 
So yeah, it, it is something to really start considering getting more educated on the education side of, you know, terms, I guess. Tell them, go to freehouseformula.com. That's it. I love it. So let's talk about the summit for a second, because this is another platform that, that people can actually get some awesome education. You're going to have awesome round of lineup speakers. Yeah, I'm and- super excited. So once a year, I throw a live event called Clever Summit. Normally it's in person. I do it in Scottsdale. Yeah. Thousand plus people show up bringing all the best speakers, trainers, and mentors. But Rona put a kibosh on doing it in person. So I decided, you know what? Let's do a virtual summit. And it's March 26th, 27th, and 28th. So end of this month. And I got Ed Milet speaking, you know, one of the best in the personal development space. Tom Bilyeu, who was the founder of Quest. He sold it to Atkins for a billion dollars. Badass podcaster. Lori Harder, cool chick, female entrepreneur, runs a big fund for females. Yeah. We got Vina Jetty, who's a female multifamily syndicator. We got TJ Tahani, who does a lot in the short-term rental space. We have Carlos Reyes, who's a big wholesaler, one of the biggest wholesalers in the country. Cole Hatter, founder of Thrive. I'm going to be speaking. Joe McCall, who's an amazing real estate investor. He's going to be teaching on marketing and systems and scaling. Dan Fleischman, Billy yeah, Jean's Dan. marketing, like all the, yeah. the, the whole yeah, the best crew. of the best on here. I love it. <laughs> yeah, the whole crew is going to be there. It's forty nine dollars. You just go to cleversummit.com, grab a ticket, forty nine bucks, right? Giving it away. I love it. <laughs> yeah, just show up. Make sure you're wearing some pants because turn on your camera, we can see you. Yeah, <laughs> and let's party for three days. Love it. Well, Cody, I appreciate you so much for jumping on here and just giving your wisdom. You know, you got a ton of experience, ton of knowledge, and I always appreciate just your spirit, man. You're, You're a great dude. So you just gave an hour of your time for the listeners and myself. Anything that the listeners or myself could do to give back to you? Take action. Take action. Don't wait. Don't waste this. You know, knowledge is in power, right? Applied knowledge is power. So you like something that I said, you know, take some massive action, get out there, figure it out. The only thing in your way is yourself. And if a guy who got C's and D's and smoked weed every day, and <laughs> I sold weed out of the Burger King drive through window and, you know, was always just hustling, no real ambition, wanting to be a school teacher or a marine biologist, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do, can turn out to become the first millionaire in his family, a multimillionaire yep. by age 30. Let's go. Out living the dream. I mean, if I can do it, you could do it for sure. Trust. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's the, let's go do it. I love it. So how can people reach out to you or get a hold of you? Obviously check out freehouseformula.com. It sounds like a no brainer as well as the, the credit summit. Clever summit. Clever summit. Yeah. You're the credit king. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get the credit summit coming up, but <laughs> that's amazing. yeah, just add clever investor on all platforms. Cool. I love it. Well, guys, I I appreciate you all for tuning in and and diving into this episode. As always, make sure you hit that subscribe button for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Leave a review after you listen to a couple. Let me know what you guys think about it. And if you want to reach out to me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, if you need any credit repair done for you services, then you can check out creditrepairmobile.com. And then if you're looking to get educated on how to fix your own credit, build up your own credit, six figures or more on personal and business credit, and then be able to leverage it into real estate purchase properties like we have with credit, complete all of your remodels with credit at 0% interest and and even do hard money lending with credit like we have on assets on businesses, then reach out to us on creditcounselelite.com. Cody, 
pleasure, brother. I appreciate you so much. I really do. So thank you so much. And we will see you guys on the next one. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.